Hello, Shockers, and welcome to That's a Shocker, a podcast we make for you from the Wichita State University Libraries. I'm Ginger. I'm Clint. I'm Jessica. And I'm Sarah. And we're just a few of the amazing people you meet at the University Libraries. Are you looking to expand your book horizons? Feeling stuck in a reading rut? This episode, we're talking what to read. First, Ginger and Sarah Dixon, Adult Programs Section Manager for Wichita Public Library, explore how WSU and Wichita Public Libraries can team up to support your reading. Then stick around to hear Clint, Sarah, and I dive into a few unexpected genres you probably didn't know existed. You may even discover a new favorite. We have a guest joining us on That's a Shocker, Sarah Dixon from the Wichita Public Library. Sarah, what do you do at WPL? Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Um, I am the adult programming section manager. Um, sometimes I forget if it's section or services. It doesn't really matter. I feel like I wear a lot of hats, so either one fits. We've kind of dabbled in a lot of different things. Um, we do learning circles. So for people who are not taking college courses, um, sometimes you want to continue learning and you want to do that in more of a classroom atmosphere, but there's not a lot of opportunities without paying fees. So learning circles allow us to take online free courses together um, and we talk about them and we watch videos together. And so it's just like another way to kind of promote lifelong learning because we're really into that. Um, I'm missing things. I think, you know, we do, we partner with Go Create uh, from WSU and we partner with um, the League of Women Voters to do Tuesday topics. I mean, we're, we're just all over the map because we have a very broad and diverse community here in Wichita and we try to develop programming that suits them. Um, we also do reference work here at the Advanced Learning Library. So when you come in and you have questions or you need help researching something, uh, we're your go-to for that as well. Awesome. <laughs> like I said, a lot of hats. Yeah. Sounds like you have a lot going on that I need to come take part in too. I mean, everybody I'm a lifelong really. learner. Mm -hmm. Here at the University Libraries, our mission is mostly educational. Um, we do have a leisure reading collection, but most of our materials are scholarly. And I guess some folks might read academic journal articles for fun. Students and faculty need, need those for their research, but we also need to be entertained from time to time. And I'm wondering if people are looking for a good page turner. That's really a strong suit of the Wichita Public Library, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have an entire floor filled with um, just fiction, really. But you can find page turners and nonfiction as well. Um, you know, a lot of people come up and use our true crime uh, section. But I'd also like to just clarify that if you are because we have a lot of lay people that need to do research as well. I say lay people as opposed to like student or academic, um, but they, uh, they can come here and we do have a few databases and resources for them to do more of the um, research aspect. It's just that they're not as academic and you obviously have a lot more of that, yeah. but we have well, that. And community members can come use our, vast databases here as well so it goes yes. both ways we have sent some people to yeah. you over at wsu libraries um but yes so leisure reading i mean we have i don't know if you know this but we have a lot of books uh here at the advanced learning library and that's just one say. branch out of seven <laughs> so um we 
can definitely help you find that next page turner. Awesome. I don't even know what to say because I just, I'm just like, we have so many, you know, you want um, urban fiction, you want Westerns, you want general fiction, you want the latest by N.K. Jemison. I got it all. Well, and if we don't so, have it, we'll find it for you. Awesome. So let's talk about me and my reading needs. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm finishing a book right now. It's Dark Academia. Um, it's the Truly Devious series. I'm at the end of it. Truly devious. I think Maureen Johnson has the author. It's YA. I read it's a lot of YA. It's appropriate for me to do internet searching while we're talking. <laughs> you can do a quick look up. Um, I'm not asking you for like an on the spot recommendation, but let's say I, I had no idea what I wanted to read next because a lot of people give me recommendations. And so I just, it's kind of like there's so much noise. I don't know where to go. So if I wanted like a more focused recommendation from, from an expert, is that something you could help me with? Typically what we do when we start, we call it reader's advisory. Um, and I think it is a thing that people forget that we can do for you. Uh, when people, you know, and I'll be in just a random casual conversation with somebody outside of work and they're like, oh man, I just read this really great book or man, I haven't picked up a book in a while, but I'd like to. And I just kind of jump right back into that role, but we do it here all the time. Um, and people, I think they're afraid to come and talk to us about it, you know, say, hey, sorry to bother you. No, please bother me. It's my job. Um, but we'll usually start with, hey, what was the last book that you read that you liked or what series? And you would come out with Dark Academia, um, which I'm, I'm less familiar with as a genre, but there are tons of genres out there. And that doesn't mean that I can't figure it out. We use um, a number of resources such as Novelist, um, which most people probably have no idea exists, but um, it is really handy for finding things that are uh, like, like different authors, you know, hey, I just read this book by um, V.E. Schwab and hey, let me find you a book that's similar to that. And we can talk about what aspect of those books that you liked. Um, I've had someone who came in and actually asked me for, you know, they get really specific. Um, he asked me for a, it was a book about uh, World War II, but he wanted it to be written by a veteran. Hmm. That was probably the hardest one that I've ever had to find, but we found it because you can just cross-reference. I mean, the internet's a beautiful thing. I realized that, um, you know, people say, oh, Google must have taken your job. No, I use Google on a regular basis, but, um, you know, you use it strategically to help you figure out information. And as librarians, I think that we can um, narrow that down and we know kind of what we're looking for. So come into the library. We also, let me just throw that out there. If you don't come into the library, um, something that we instituted during shutdown time during COVID is reading recommendation lists. Um, you can come and fill out a form on our website. Um, no, sorry, you don't come in, you fill out a form on our website and, um, it asks you um, to tell us the last good book you read, what authors you like, different things like that. And then we will come up with a personalized reading list for you of books that are in our collection that you can either um, we can put on hold for you. And we just took away our hold fees, which is very exciting. Awesome. So you can get that transferred to any branch in our um, community. So whatever is nearby. Um, 
and we, we it becomes more of a personalized interaction and usually it's not just a oh i like this author and we give you three and then you're done it's usually a little bit of a back and forth with some of our staff um, and so that's that was really successful we it was so successful that we started doing viewing lists as well because we have a number of dvds oh. and blu-rays um and i think people it's kind of tapered off since the pandemic has receded I won't say gone, but it's receded and people can come in and find their own books again. But um, we're still here. We're still happy to help you find whatever it is you're looking for. That sounds really fun. I kind of want someone to to give me a curated reading list. Just now that I know it's available, I want it. Yeah, just go to our website. Um, again, I'm going to do an internet search while we're talking on Zoom. Um, our website, wichitalibrary.org. And then um, I think it's recommendations. So if you go to our website, go to books and more, and then recommendations for our younger readers, um, we also do grab bags. So you're like, oh, I want like five books for on princesses or trucks or awesome. dinosaurs. And our youth services uh, folks will pull that together. Um, we can do board books, picture books, easy readers, wherever your child is in that um, progression. Okay, so we're going to get some mystery books for me, probably. We're going to get some maybe Wimpy Kid and some dragons for my boys and maybe some playaways in there, too. We'll just get it off. We've got the wonder books, too. Uh, that you can. So if you've got somebody who is still working on some of their reading skills, they can listen to it while they read it. Um, so that's pretty cool. We picked one of those up recently and my five-year-old was listening to one of those about cheetahs on our drive down to visit my family for Thanksgiving. And we just heard the word cheetah every once in a while. He was talking to himself while he was flipping through the book in the backseat of the car. It was perfect because it was that instead of, uh, the boys arguing with each other. So yeah. highly recommend like, that yeah. for road trips, hot tip for everybody. Awesome. So you well, didn't know we were going to talk about early literacy stuff, which is way literacy. outside of my bag. But I know that our youth services staff do an amazing job. And when your kids are done with Wimpy Kid and they've gotten through all of them, we'll probably have some other series that we can recommend. Absolutely. Speaking of like, you know, kind of keeping people motivated to read, I love ways to kind of trick myself into staying on top of it. And I'm doing a reading challenge this year through Goodreads. I thought reading 21 books in 2021 would be a great idea. I am on book 18 right now, so I don't know if I'm going to get there or not, Um, but I'm getting close. And I've heard you guys also, um, the ICT Reads Challenge, is that something that you guys are a partner in? Can you tell me some stuff about that? We're coming up on year five of our participation, I think, um, though the sixth year of the challenge. Um, so something Suzanne Tobias, of uh, the formerly the Wichita Eagle and now of KMUW, um, jumped up and she started a Facebook group. And then we got connected with her in the second year. And so it's been kind of a partnership between um, the Wichita Eagle and the Wichita Public Library. And now that she's with KMUW, it's a three-way partnership. Plus Watermark Books is, I think, um, you know, they always get involved too. And so it's kind of this wonderful community effort to just help people read more. Um, So what we do is we come up with 12 categories. The concept is 12 books in 12 months. So 21 books in 2021 is ambitious. And I think most people probably read about 
one to four books in a year. Um, there's like statistics on that and I'm not clear on them, but um, you can. So we're trying to push your envelope a little bit and we give you different categories and we try to keep them general enough that you can interpret them however you want to. Like one year we had a book that was a graphic novel. Someone calls and asked if Fifty Shades of Grey would work. Um, and we were like, I mean, you know, that's not exactly what we had in mind, but sure, why not? Like if you want to make different it kind out, of graphic, different kind of graphic. Okay. Um, but uh, this year, we're just wrapping it up at the end of this month. So if you haven't, you're welcome to still put books in. We use Beanstack to, as a um, tracking software. And uh, you can download the app and start putting your books in that way. If you have any trouble with it, give us a call or find out information on our website. But um, we've got books, uh, a book with a one word title. Um, a book, an own voices book. So that's exploring someone who is usually um, considered some sort of minority, who is the main character and protagonist. Um, a book about animals or pets, a book about travel, an illustrated book. That's a different than a graphic novel because it could be anything. We've had a lot of people that just read um, children's books, but then there are some that are you know, books that we loved that have been um, re-released into more of an illustrated format. Um, like Harry Potter, they just put out a new book about that. Uh, I saw that um, Kindred by Octavia Butler um, was released as a graphic novel. So um, I loved that book. Anyway, you could do a lot with illustrated book. Um, an Untold Story or History, a book by an author under 30. That was everybody's kind of tough Ooh. one. Local History, um, a challenged book, which we didn't know would be very topical this year. Um, right. An ugly, a book with an ugly cover, <laughs> the most subjective. Um, <laughs> we even had what well, last year, I think we had a book that made you laugh, but you know, again, that's nice. anybody can have anything. So um, a book by recommended by someone you admire, uh, which I think again, it can be a book about anything. So, um, and then a, a book from the Kansas notable book list. Usually our final, final category is a book that, um, by an author who visits Kansas because Watermark was hosting a lot of author talks right. and sometimes we get authors along with Big Read and different things like that. Um, and other organizations in our community sometimes will bring in authors, but uh, with COVID, we didn't know how that would work. So we went with notable book list. Um, but any, all, any of those categories, all of them are listed on our website. Um, and there's still time. Kansas notable books are all by Kansas authors. Is that right? Not necessarily. I think some of them are um, books about Kansas. Okay. The person doesn't necessarily have to live in Kansas. A lot of them are by Kansas authors. Um, I'm not 100% sure on all the criteria, but it's usually a book about or by a Kansas author. Okay. I do know we collect those here. So we always have the the Kansas Notable Books, we do a display. So I enjoy looking at them, but I haven't dug into them too deeply. Yeah, um, we typically get all of those too. And then I just, um, on our uh, OverDrive or Libby app, we just purchased some more of those too to kind of round out our collection of Kansas Notable Books there. So, well, I would um, love to talk about Libby because... I read every book on my Kindle pretty much. And when I encounter a, a physical book, I use Libby um, with my Wichita Public Library card 
constantly. Um, I probably check out even more than I read, but I read quite a bit through it. Um, what if I'm just imagining as we're kind of going into the holiday season right now, what if somebody gets a Kindle and they're like, what do I do with this? Could you help them figure that out and help them download ebooks onto it and that sort of thing? Or how would you suggest they get started? Um, yeah, the, the paper uh, weights are a little bit paperweight, paper white, paper white. Okay. See, I don't, I read them on my Apple iPhone. So that's, that's <laughs> name, name drop brand. You're getting big money from Apple mm-hmm, too, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> or your Android, you can read it on any device. Um, there are a lot of people who like to read it on their Kindles though. And, um, some of it, we can actually walk you through over the phone a lot. I mean, most of the time it's, well, what, you know, how do I sign in? What's my username? What's my password? It's yeah. your library card number. And then your password or your pen is usually the last four numbers of your phone number. Um, If that doesn't work, uh, you can give us a call. If we have to reset your password, you may have to come in. Um, If you don't have a library card, we may have to have you come in as well. Wait, that's not true anymore. Um, If you don't have a library card and you just want to use Libby, I believe you can now sign up for, it's not a card it's something they call it something else but you sign up with your phone number if you have a phone um, prefix that is in our area oh cool or maybe it's zip code I have not dealt with it enough to know that very much but it's definitely something that exists so for your listeners they can call and get more information about that or just go and check it out Libby is free to download um but Libby (laughs) Who is Libby, by the way? Who is Libby? I don't know. You can change the, uh, (laughs) the way she looks on your, on your app. Oh, Um, that's right. mm -hmm. But she is, she's a provider of eBooks though, basically. Right. She's a, I mean, so sometimes you'll hear overdrive and sometimes you'll hear Libby or sometimes you'll hear Libby for overdrive. They are all the exact same. Um, Libby came out a few years ago. I think overdrive was just trying to create something that was a little more user-friendly, colorful, bright, um, give it a name that's nice and friendly like Libby. Uh, but there are still people who will use the overdrive app. It still works. So, okay. Um, I do use Libby. I think it's a little bit more, uh, easy to navigate, but back to your original question, which was if they have something and they don't know how to use it, um, it doesn't even have to be something that they use for Libby. You can actually come into the library and uh, we, our technology team offers t- uh, book a librarian appointments. So you book an appointment with one of our technology trainers and they can walk you through any number of things on a device, on the computer. Um, we have some different fancier softwares uh, like in the Adobe suite and um audio video editing softwares now we do 3d printing software or um the the modeling 3d modeling so that you can use it to print on a 3d printer um so we have classes but you can also do it one-on-one if it's something like your kindle you would just bring that in with you to the appointment and we will help you get that set up and show you how to use it um if we can't walk you through it over the phone i feel like a lot of your students and maybe I'm just making assumptions here, are younger and probably are digital natives. So I imagine that once they get their username and password, they'll have no trouble at all. 
Um, but you know, maybe they're going to gift one to their parent or their grandparent and parent or grandparent, they don't want to stick around and help them with the technology (laughs) assistance, um, that sometimes falls on those of the younger generations and, um, we can help with that. Well, folks that are getting gifted a device, they may be savvy since their family already thinks that they're going to want such a, an e-reader or something, but you'd be surprised. Our students are really all across the board. They look like the rest of our community does. We have a lot of first-gen students who are middle-aged and have kids themselves. So probably who you see at the public library, you're probably okay. seeing about the same demographic. Well, then if you, if you have any trouble, just give us a call. And, um, that, that goes for Kindles or um, we, some folks who just want to know how to do, like I've had people call and they need to know how to delete a, a photo off of their iPad. We walk you through the best we can. Um, if we can do it over the phone, great. If we can't, then um, we invite you to come in and sit down with one of our technology trainers. We got options. That sounds amazing. It reminds me of um, when everyone got the U2 album on their iPhones and they wanted it deleted and it, it couldn't be deleted. So if you can do that, Okay. I still have a YouTube (laughs) album on my phone and I don't know how to get rid of it. Well, this has been so fun talking to you and learning more. I didn't even know about the Wichita Public Library. Are there things that you want our, our avid readers here at Wichita State to know that we haven't talked about yet? Um, so while books and, um, reading is a huge part of what we do, um, information is really kind of our game. I think, Um, you know, we share that with the university libraries. Um, so whether that's figuring out your Kindle, whether that's finding your next great read, um, you know, let us know, come ask us questions. We would like to help you. We are not, you know, we, yes, we may look busy, but that's just because if I sat there and read books on the desk, people would say things. So, um, you know, we also have, um, some things that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. It doesn't really necessarily involve my team as much, um, but who knows, you know, programming in the future. We are releasing some different things through our library of things. Um, Are you familiar with that at all, Ginger? You know, this is an amazing tie-in, Sarah. I am, and our listeners are too, because literally our last episode was about the library of things phenomenon, and we even plugged some of the things you have. Well, we've got new things in Ooh, our library us. of things. I'd love to. Hear um, so we just put out last week um, internet bundles. So we had already done hotspots, and we also have um, Chromebooks that you can check out at the library and use here on site. Um, which is great if, like, you don't have one and you need to have a job interview and you need a camera. We have people use them for that. It's great. Um, But now you can get a whole internet bundle. So if you do not have connectivity at home, you can check out, it comes with a um, Chromebook laptop, a hotspot, um, information on how to use both devices, and um, you can check it out for 28 days. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So if you are um, applying for jobs, if you've got um, a piece of your semester, if your internet goes out at home and all of a sudden you're without connectivity, now granted, they are pretty popular and there may be a wait list. So we received um, $150,000 from the American Rescue Plan Act 
funding from the Federal Communications Commission Amazing. to purchase and put together 250 of these internet bundles. So, um, you know, it's huge for our community. community and, um, and people are always surprised by um, the fact that people don't have connectivity in their homes. And this is going to help out with that a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, I know that was a big issue when my kids switched to remote learning during the pandemic. Uh, you could pick up the, the Chromebook or the iPad for them to use, but it also asked, you know, do you need internet or do you already have reliable internet at home? Because yeah, a lot of folks don't. That's really a great service. Yeah, Is that only excited. at the Advanced Learning Library or can you pick those up at different branches? So you can definitely pick them up at different branches. I think we are coordinating the effort here. And then if you, just like you would any other item, you know, you put a book on hold, a DVD, um, you can specify which branch you'd like to pick it up. Um, up until very recently, we charged a quarter for all transfers and holds, um, but we were able to remove that barrier. And so now it's free. We just transfer it to the branch that you want. However, I will say that, um, you know, if you decide that you don't want it, let's say you put a hold on an internet bundle or a book or a DVD, and it takes a few weeks to get to you. And in that time, you figured out alternate means, give us a call and cancel that hold because we will charge you a dollar for any unclaimed items um and we don't want to have to do that but if you call and cancel we'll take it off your account you know and it's um it's not a big deal and then the item or internet bundle can go to the next person so anyway yeah awesome. i would tell you about the telescopes and all of those things but i'm sure that you already your listeners probably already know about all that we covered some of that kind of stuff very cool well Thanks for chatting with us, Sarah. I hope you'll come back and talk to us again someday. Yeah, anytime. I had a great time. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much to Ginger and Sarah for that uh, very enlightening interview um, with, uh, with, of course, our um, associate dean, as well as a member of the Wichita Public Library. Always great to um, collaborate with them. Now, uh, Jessica, Sarah, and myself are coming in to talk a little bit about this uh, episode's topic, which is genres, which is uh, a pretty wide topic, but we've got some fun ones for you. Um, and the whole idea that happened kind of behind this um, was when I brought up a genre that I had no idea existed, and then apparently we didn't know existed either, and that was dark academia which is uh, fairly popular, especially um, here in the academic culture. Uh, and uh, it's a pretty fun, uh, found some pretty interesting things on it when it comes to uh, fiction. Um, originally, it started out as kind of an aesthetic, um, but it's uh, sort of blended its way into literature. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty wide, uh, pretty broad topic when it comes to literature. Um, so I actually used um, the library's own smart search tool uh, that you can find at libraries.wichita.edu in order to research this topic a little bit more. Um, there's quite a few things that pop up when you search dark academia um, in, on, on our website. Um, so I won't bother you guys with everything, but uh, there, there, there was a few things. Uh, first of all, dark academia is uh, an aesthetic that gained popularity over the past year. This was a, um, a, uh, article um, by Devin Tulin on UWIRE uh, that was written 
in March of 2021. So this is a fairly new and popular trend. Um, it's sort of, um, it's an aesthetic that places a heavy emphasis on reading, writing, learning, you know, academia. Uh, it combines uh, academic fashion with Gothic style. Uh, for dark, dark academia, we're talking about like ancient boarding school libraries, candlelit study sessions, and uh, sort of a general absence of technology, you know, kind of uh, old Gothic architecture, sort of, uh, you know, old dusty books, that kind of thing, you know, perfect for a library. Um, but, uh, Sounds like my kind so, of place. Well, well, you know, Sounds like I, my kind of aesthetic. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, it's sort of this kind of, really uh, archive-y. yeah, it, well, yeah, it really is. Um, that's sort of the general aesthetic. And then that's sort of bled over into, um, literature itself. Um, and so there, there was a, a few other articles that I found, um, a couple of them, um, hearkening to, um, even to the point where like we have, um, college students, you know, I, I believe there was one article by Kyla Downing. This was all Dowling, excuse me. One article by Kyla Dowling uh, on UWire um, that uh, that talks about some of the, you know, university students. Uh, and of course, I believe this was actually, this might've been um, talking about literal university, like you say, you would say in like Canada or the UK, things like that. Um, talking about, you know, students, you know, getting through university or college by, you know, basically pretending they're the protagonists of a dark academia novel, which is kind of fun uh, and not, you know, seems like something I would do. Right. Um, yeah. Story of my college experience. Right. Um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, link uh, some of these articles and some of the other research I found in the show notes so you can check them out for yourself. Uh, but there's quite a bit that pops up. Um, also, if you go to like goodreads.com, uh, they have uh, a list of like dark academia novels or related novels. Um, there was a few on there. I mean, there was like there was probably over like a hundred uh, novels and we'll link that in the show description to show notes as well. Um, but there were some that, uh, you know, like I, I, I didn't even know could be like this sort of like dark academia literature. This is why I said it was kind of a broad topic. Um, you had like the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Um, I think the top one was um, the secret history by Donna Tartt. Uh, mm -hmm. which is a pretty, mm -hmm. I, I believe that one's a very prominent dark academia novel. Uh, there was one, even one that um, I've read before, Hound of the Baskervilles by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, famous Sherlock Holmes novel, you know, very, uh, you know, dark, gloomy, English, uh, gothic style. So it's interesting. These are older um, books, stories and things, but you said this was a fairly recent trend. Are right. we just applying a new term to old stuff i mean it, it could it could very well include that like i said it's sort of a broad topic i mean honestly i i didn't find it on the list but like there was there was a few things that you know talked about like harry potter which again Makes that's heavy sense, that's yeah. pretty heavy fiction but that takes place in a like in castle, a castle. Yeah. like a, like a school it's a school setting in a, like a old gothic like castle you, you mm -hmm. know so it's sort of uh, it's sort of that it's sort of like the overall atmosphere um, of the literature itself, which is is kind of fun. But, you know, th this is one of those things that, um, you know, just kind of got brought up, you know, in a conversation with uh, us three. And 
lo and behold, it's, it's a whole thing. That's kind of the fun thing about um, different uh, kinds of genres, subgenres that get created that or either were around and nobody knew about them or they get created out of like movements and things like that or, um, you know, things that become popular. Um, and that's kind of the fun about what we're talking about today. Now, I know you guys also um, did quite a bit of research into some interesting genres and subgenres. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you guys found. Yeah, so I think Jessica actually had kind of an interesting question about um, how we're applying these new terms for these genres um, to things that that have existed. So this, this dark academia term is something that's much more recent. And yet we're talking about some books that are um, from decades past. And that was something that I uh, ran into a little bit in my looking into the genre of eco-lit, because there's not necessarily a full consensus on what exactly this genre is. And and it has been referred to as a super genre, which um, means that Rather than being a subset of another genre, it uh, can encompass multiple different genres. So there can be uh, ecological mysteries, there can be ecological speculative fiction, there can be ecological fantasy, um, but it all has uh, an element where the um, environment or um, climate is either degradating and how that leads to um, the suffering of the species that live there, um, or the way in which um, political or economic factors can jeopardize the environment, um, or just a particularly uncommon um, ecological experience. And um, so it, it does have a lot of different areas that it can fall into. But what um, also kind of got me into it is I recently watched Dune, and so that reminded me of uh, um, Frank Herbert. And so I was just looking up some things uh, about him. And I actually found um, in our own collections, we have uh, Omni Magazine, which is a uh, science and science fiction magazine that was originally in print from 1978 to 1995, roughly. Um, and we do have it available, um, many issues here at Abla Library. Um, but in one of them, the July 1980 um, issue, Frank Herbert actually walked talks about in an essay um, some of his inspiration for writing Dune. And it came from um, when he was in Florence, Oregon, um, writing a magazine article about the U.S. Department of Agricultural Project that was looking at ways to control um, coastal and other sand dunes. And he'd been thinking about um, the ideas of power structures and sort of the superhero type of thing and... Um, so within that context, he was realizing how much ecology um, encompasses real concerns. Um, and so he was able to um, use that ecological theme within his exploration of power structures as well. So that that is kind of where you see this ecolit topic um, 
merging with other genres and other forms. Um, and uh, so in addition to Dune, uh, there's some other interesting ones. The Water Knife uh, is an example of eco-lit uh, flight behavior is another one. Um, and these are ones that um, you can either get here at Apple Library or um, if you are a student or staff member of the university, you can get through interlibrary loan. It's really interesting when you bring up, um, you, you know, some of the literature that um, can be found here within, you know, our library, um, you know, probably the, the public library, like, um, you know, we just talked with Sarah. So this is, uh, it's pretty interesting seeing the uh, pretty wide array of, of different genres that can be found. Definitely. So I mentioned talking about new terms applied to kind of older literature. Well, I found one that is a new term and a new literature. There's actually kind of two of them that I that I found, one of which is called Flarf Poetry. Yes, Flarf, F-L-A-R-F Poetry. Um, and it was created by poets who originally communicated through a listserv. And they used the term flarf or flarfiness which is my new favorite word, by the way, uh, to describe anything inappropriate or politically incorrect. So, you know, basically everything we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the first ever uh, Flarf poem was written by Gary Sullivan, and he entered it into a scam poetry contest. So it was a fake contest, and he ended, ended up um, entering this in, and he ended up winning. Um, and it's not really long, so I'm totally going to re recite it to you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. Big birds make big do. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is your winning flarf poem. Um, basically, how they create these things, they would use Google to explore unusual search terms. Just type in some random stuff. And then they would take the results and use them as lines or subject matter for their poetry. Huh. Um, it's pretty incredible. You can come up with some pretty crazy things. Google, uh, as we know, will come up with some unusual results. And then they combined them and they created this whole new genre. Um, one of the major examples of this uh, is Mel Nichols' I Google Myself. Um, and this is actually something that had an entire movement, uh, and it had its own festival, but it was completely controversial, uh, because of that it led to the idea of possible plagiarism, um, you know, cause you're using the internet to search and you're using other people's results and putting that into, um, a poem. So you're using pieces of other stuff instead of creating your own ideas. It's similar to Dadaism in artwork, but that's actually a, genre and literature as well. So it was really controversial and it's not a super huge thing anymore. Um, but something similar to Flarf, the other one that I was talking about, is called Spoetry. Uh, this is super fun because with Flarf, they used Google results to create these poems, right? Well, instead of using the Google results, they would take spam emails and take lines from spam emails and combine them and they they created this thing and it's derived from spam lit which is nonsensical content found in spam email 
Um, and Satire Wire was the first poetry contest in 2000. Um, and then in 2006, there was a U.S. poet, End War, who published Machine Language Version 2.0. And it came with a CD where an automated voice of Microsoft Sam read the poems. So if you're interested, go and try and find a copy of this. Um, I looked, we don't have it here in our library, but definitely, you know, check out those sources with Wichita Public. We talked to Sarah earlier and we're all about partnering up to support your reading, but these are definitely new terms, new genres. And I had a ton of fun research. I was about them. to say, this sounds, this yeah. does sound like some enjoyable reading right here. Oh yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Makes no sense. You know, my kind of thing. So kind of those that exploration and how they're creating this poetry from these sort of abstract pieces that they're fitting together kind of um, fits in well to the other uh, subgenre that I found that I think is personally fascinating and is really appealing to the type of individual who puts things like pulls different areas, puts things together and solves puzzles. So it's called ergodic lit. And this was defined um, roughly in the late 1990s. And it's less about the narrative itself and more how the narrative is presented. So the idea is that um, you have to work through the physical object in order to get the full picture of the story. Um, so this can be done in a number of different ways. Uh, you can have a physical book that has different writers. And so you'll have text from one of them written in a certain way. Um, and then someone else is responding to that original text and putting their own notes in the marginalia and things like that. Um, you can have um, a book that has multiple different pieces to it. So you've got a story that has uh, maps that go with it. So you have to take these maps or these other files that go with, um, that are, that are parts of it in order to help build the full story. Uh, or you can just have images that go through. So, um, one of the kind of defining works for ergodic, um, is House of Leaves by Mark Daniels Whiskey. Probably pronounced that last name wrong. So I apologize to you. Um, but, uh, this is one of the ones that, uh, has multiple writers who are engaging with it and who are filling it out. Um, then there's Ship of Theseus by J.J. Abrams and Doug Dorst. And this is one where um, it actually is presented as a library book. The Ship of Theseus is the story. And then you have two students who are engaging with the story and one another through the marginalia. Um, there is Illuminae by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. And this is one of the ones that's an interesting mix of formats. So rather than it being just a full novel story written through, you've got um, chapters which are um, files of different military exploitations. You've got diary entries. So you have all these different parts of the story from different perspectives. Um, and then there's A Strange Library by Haruki Murakami. And this is one of the ones where you are need to look at both the text and the images in order for the full story to come through. Um, so they're, they're interesting because 
they require different parts of your brain to kind of work through the whole story. And so you have these interesting puzzles that you can um, explore and, and fill out while you're reading. So it really, it fully immerses you into the story. This reminds me so much of working with primary sources, especially looking at the marginalia mm -hmm. and looking at the original text and then uh, comparing how people are looking at it and interacting with each other through the marginalia, mark, you know, marking notes back and forth. The when you were talking about the it's presented as a library book where people are talking to each other through that. So much of what we have in special collections, it involves that sort of thing and how you have to put all of the different pieces together to get the full picture using the maps and the images and the diaries and all these things. So it's particularly interesting to me for that reason, but I'm also a puzzle junkie. So yeah, you know, I mean, that kind of thing works. Yeah, they're super, super <laughs> fun. So one that I found the, I mean, we found so many more, but the last one I'm going to talk about today is called Usha and it's it's spelled W-U-X-I-A, and I did look up how to pronounce that, so hopefully that's right. Um, for those of you that speak Chinese, I apologize if I butchered that, but I really did try. Um, it's a Chinese fiction genre that centers on martial arts, and you would recognize this kind of genre more from movies than literature necessarily. So like think Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon or House of the Flying Daggers, those sorts of things where it's all these adventures that are filled with swords and sorcery and martial arts. Um, but it actually is a literature genre as well as, you know, just movies and TV. And uh, Jin Yong was one of the most prolific writers of this genre. He died in 2018. Um, but his work has been compared to Tolkien and George R.R. R. Martin. Um, and the most important work that he wrote was The Legend of the Condor Heroes. So a lot of these, um, since it's a Chinese genre, are presented in Chinese. You it's kind of hard to find some of the translations, but if you can, they're so worth the read. They're so amazingly cool. Um, they're always set in historical China. And there's never any supernatural anything in the premise. Once you introduce gods and demons and monsters and that sort of thing, it actually becomes what's called shansha. And that's where you add magic. And that's X-I-A-N-X-I-A. Again, I apologize for any horrible mispronunciation on that. Um, so most of this, you know, was kind of older, um, but most of the novels written after 1960 are easier to read uh, because they're more contemporary, easier to relate mm -hmm. to people. Um, again, the language is more something that you're used to experiencing too, as opposed to the ancient myths and stories. Um, but they include mystery and romance and political intrigue. And there's so many different subgenres of this. Uh, Book Riot, uh, bookriot.com has an amazing article on Usha and Shansha and examples. And we'll include the link in the notes for the show. So if you want to check it out, definitely go do that. Um, but the characters always have some sort of abilities and they're not magical. They're not born. They're not gifted to them. They're ones that are always physical in nature 
And they're always the result of a whole lot of hard work and effort. So it's something that people can relate to. You know, it's not something you're either born into or not. You get to um, experience the growth of the character along with the character. So it's, it's an amazing genre, super cool. Some other authors to check out are Liang Yusheng, uh, Gu Long, and a modern author is Huang Yi. And they have actually added sci-fi elements. So if you're really into that, there's so many different ways to go about exploring the genre. I really encourage you to check it out. Um, I wonder if uh, if a few of those uh, incorporate some uh, some maybe ancient uh, Chinese uh, studying in some in some older architecture we put some dark oh. academia in here you know and it goes full, full circle, circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just created a whole new sub 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 super genre oh super sub sub genre that that was oh, the gosh. goal that was the goal of this episode <laughs> from the beginning <laughs> to create our own brand new so genre. Um, <laughs> like yeah uh nanorimo just concluded so anyone who is interested in pondering through some ideas for next year. Yeah. There you go. Here's some new genres. Check them out. Get some inspiration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Now, thank you for all those genre discussions. We're going to talk about some announcements. In the spring, we've got some Savvy Scholars workshops coming up, including a What to Read for Fun, where we talk about how to find new books and keep track of what you've already read. We're also bringing back the Digital Scholarship Series and the Entrepreneurship Research Series. So make sure you check our schedule and see if there's some topics you'd like to explore. Uh, winter shutdown hours. We are closed Saturday, December 18th, and we will be reopening Monday, January 3rd. In the meantime... Be sure to take advantage of Wichita Public Library resources to fill in those reading needs. Until next time, happy reading, and we'll see you all in the new year. Mm -hmm.